to the Security Serengeti. We're your hosts, David Schwendinger and Matthew Keener. Stop what you're doing and subscribe to our podcast. Leave us a lovely five-star review and follow us at Serengeti Sec on Twitter for the occasional post. Yep, we're here to talk more about cybersecurity. Each episode is going to focus on a topic or two of interest to the community. And today we're talking about BlackBerry's inaugural quarter, quarterly threat intelligence report. You know, everything's so much better when you do it quarterly. Views and opinions expressed in this podcast are ours and ours alone and do not reflect the views or opinions of our employers. Hey, Matt, you know the one place you can't install a BlackBerry Silence EDR agent? No, I don't. A BlackBerry. Does BlackBerry still make BlackBerries, actually? Or have they diversified? I'm pretty sure the BlackBerry is pretty completely defunct, isn't it? I don't know. I haven't seen anybody using one in decade, like a decade. Yeah, so if you go to BlackBerry now, they're, they seem to be, their top thing is cybersecurity for all critical event management, secure embedded systems. It looks like they have, and if you open up their products, of smartphones is one entry out of like 10. So hmm. they've, they've pivoted. Oh, oh, we do on, have devices. Oh my gosh, look at this. On January 4th, 2022, BlackBerry decommissioned the infrastructure and services used by our legacy software and phone operating systems. So yeah, maybe they don't do phones anymore. Yeah, well, that joke was timely then. <laughs> you definitely can't install it on a BlackBerry. It's funny. All right, so a new report. Do we need another report? Well, first of all, this report is not new. Apparently, they were already doing this annually. They just moved them to quarterly and called it inaugural, so tricked me. But I'm all for new reports. <laughs> oh, it just made me think of Half-Life. You know, rather than doing a sequel, what we're going to do is going to do episodes that we release more frequently. <laughs> and then... Not at all. <laughs> and then not at all. So the report claims, David has inserted this quote in here. He thinks it's important for us to know. The report claims, quote, the mission of this report is to provide actionable intelligence on targeted attacks, cybercrime motivated threat actors, and campaigns targeting organizations like yours so you can make well-informed decisions and take prompt, effective actions. Yeah. Because uh, that's actually what you, that is what you actually want to get out of a report. Yeah, they're not wrong. And we'll, we'll get usually there. usually don't. Well, so we'll get there. They actually do provide stuff, but they don't provide the stuff that I care about as a defender until the end of the report. But we'll get there. So who made it? Black, and, 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 and likewise, we'll provide that actionable information at the end of this podcast. <laughs> so uh. who made it? BlackBerry's threat research and intelligence team. Apparently, BlackBerry has an AI-driven prevention-first technology, which saw one point almost 1.8 million malware attacks in the th fourth quarter of 2022. And it turns out they bought Silence several years ago. So that's what they're talking about. Shit, was it Silence? Yes. No, it wasn't. Was it? Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, Silence. Phew. And I, I, just, was, I thought I was... I just used the joke like two seconds ago. I know, but I had already lost. I wasn't following <laughs> <laughs> the thread. All right. Anyways, so first of all, I'm going to start with the highlights from the article that we saw. Uh, cause I find, I do find this interesting. The, the things that the article thought were the most important things to include out of this report and they were not good ones. Uh, the first one, Mac OS is not immune. This is not new. Folks have been saying this for literally a decade at this point. I don't understand why they included that as one of the three highlights in the article or four highlights, three highlights. Number two, Redline was the most active and widespread info stealer. I don't understand this obsession with focusing on specific pieces of malware. 
And number three, BlackBerry is uniquely positioned to uncover threats that affect industries that aren't often discussed in other threat reports. I'm about to end any career prospects with BlackBerry, unfortunately, but what industries are those and what unique threats are in this report that aren't discussed in other threat reports? They say the industries they cover is automotive, manufacturing, financial, and healthcare. How is this unique? Well, I think if you... In the article that, that led us to the report, said dark reading, I forget. But in the article at the bottom, they list a, a about BlackBerry paragraph there. And in the, in the paragraph, it says the company secures more than 5 million endpoints. 500 including, million. 500 million. 500 million, excuse me. 500 million mm-hmm. endpoints, including over 215 million vehicles. So it seems like they have some kind of offering for actually installing in vehicles then. So that would be unique. And I actually, I will point out of the four industries I mentioned, manufacturing, financial, and healthcare, everybody covers. So automotive is different, but automotive is just a sub-branch in manufacturing, except for the cars themselves. So I didn't see anything in the report that specifically referenced cars. No, there, I'm sorry. There was one page. There was one page that talked about potential for attacking cars, but they didn't see, they didn't mention any attacks that they saw in cars. That would have made a cool report. Yeah, it Not was all actionable, about but it would have been cool. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was all about the potential, which I think is actually a little bit different when you think about the threat model for a car, though, because the threat model for a car is the car itself, you know, not per se breaking into the car just to get to the computer. Well, uh, yeah. You want to yeah. be able to actually somehow control the car, the the physically control the entire car. No, no, so no, no. Then you could do something but, with it. But can't you imagine if the cars are self-driving, you can have them steal themselves? They wouldn't be sealing themselves. They would just be leaving where they're garaged without permission. Through the wall. Okay. Uh, so anyways, I saw this. The, the cars become sentient and run off. Oh, man. Oh, you my God. That's how that. Next to that Camaro. That's how that Stephen King movie. You. That's how that Stephen Christine. That's how Christine happens. Christine is a self-driving car that somebody downloaded malware that changed, that changed, like that reversed the recognition. So, you know, the, the cars recognize and stay away from humans. It's the opposite. They're like, humans must hit it as fast as possible. So it's a combination between Christine and Death Race 2000. <laughs> yes. Actually, that seems totally possible once self-driving cars are a thing. Hmm. All right. Well, now that I've... All right. Anyways, I saw this article at the end. I scrolled up back up to the top and I saw it's from PR Newswire. It's a public relations news release, which is why their highlights from the article are awful. But then I went back and read over it myself. It was only 32 pages, which I appreciate. I was able to skim it in a reasonably efficient two hours or so. So that's good. BlackBerry is global, but they, from a quick visual review of the the map they show, approximately is only in about a third of countries. Although they're mostly in the U.S., which is not a surprise. They said 65% of the attack scene was in the U.S. Number two was 8%, so way, way down for number two. And their top 10 added to 100%, which I think is weirdly deceptive. I thought they should have had an other on the graph with a combined percentage for the companies outside the top 10, so you could get an idea of how the U.S. compares to their total number. But the way they chose to do the graph, you can't tell at all. Figure four I thought was kind of interesting. It did say that 53% of unique malware samples came from the U.S., which I don't know if that's because the U.S. is more heavily targeted or just because they have such a higher presence there than anywhere else, but that was kind of interesting. I, I find I find the idea of unique malware samples from countries to be really interesting, but I guess, I guess more and more attackers are doing regional targeting where once they push it to their gateway, they check to see what IP, what country the IP address is coming from before determining if they're going to send malware down or not. 
Yeah, because it's down from their overall complete coverage. So 65% are in the in the U.S., but only 50% of the yeah. unique samples come from the United States. That's true. So one thing for anybody who's looking to try and find some of these unique samples or determine if they're being targeted, URL scan, which I love and adore, I think is one of the best tools out there. If you pay for a pro subscription, which I think is fairly a URL scan, you should sponsor us, which I think is totally reasonable for a company. <laughs> They have a live scanning feature, which allows you to scan with up to 20 some different scanners and different IP addresses in different countries at once. And that's a really interesting way to determine if something's targeted because I, I have like a preset group of 11 companies, you know, one on each continent, major targeted countries. I'll throw a URL in there, I'll scan it, and then you can just quickly scan down, take a look down the screenshots to see if any of them look different. Because if it's not targeted at that area, it'll kick you off to Yahoo or Google or something. But if it's targeted, then you'll get a different website. So how often does it come out that that's only targeted towards something in Eastern Europe? So I, in, in the past, I've, I, I've seen it come and go. There's a period of time when I was doing full-time analyst work that I used to see it all the time. I've been doing less and less analyst work over time, but I still see it occasionally. I don't know if that's a function of me not doing enough analyst work or what. Uh, but it definitely does happen with things like bank banking, trying to get credentials for people's banks. They definitely want to target countries that the bank operates in. Mm -hmm. That makes so, sense. Yeah. Yeah. The first section was malware. And at the beginning, they say, and I'm going to call it this quote, the most widespread and interesting malware families are organized by operating system below. We may argue about interesting. For Windows, they specifically call out info stealers, ignoring all their stupid names for all the stupid pieces of malware. There is some interesting growth here in the types of credentials that info stealers can grab. I think we're all used to when somebody gets an info stealer, it's going to try and grab your banking credentials, your work credentials, etc. But they're also now looking for FTP logins, crypto wallets, VPN software logins, Discord, Telegram, social media logins. FTP. Yeah. I was like, wait a second. Who still uses that? But usually when someone gets malware, it's part of the default playbook to, for many companies to force a credential reset when someone gets malware. But this makes me wonder if we should be also warning them to change all the personal ones too. Like, hey, you should also go any, any personal account you log in onto this computer, your personal email, your personal a bank or whatever, you should go change all those. And probably most people would ignore you, but this is the one place where I think it might actually matter what type of malware is detected. So you can go check what types of credentials it grabs. <clears throat> Although the malware changes often enough, I don't know if that's really worth trying to put that effort or just you know create an artisan handcrafted response to each specific type of malware or just blow it all away and restart. Yeah, and the more sophisticated malware is modular. modular. So yeah. I could swap that out without too much trouble either. Yeah, yeah. And and that's part of why I don't understand this obsession with trying to like list out this malware does this. Because again, it could change in two weeks and it does something completely different. Oh, they also mentioned file infectors and rats in the section, but I didn't see anything new. I did see they had a Mac OS section. What they said was most commonly seen in Mac OS is adware spyware. Wouldn't that be the most commonly seen in Windows? Or was this only called out because they didn't have a ton of file infectors and rats and info stealers to talk about? I don't know. Well, that would seem to be indicative of that. Uh, but what I thought was interesting in that section was the quote says, these applications masquerade as legitimate software with the underlying intent to take advantage of the user. And on the Mac, I can't remember what this feature is called, but there's a default setting 
So the Mac only recognizes App Store and identified developers. So designated pre-signed software. So I'm kind of surprised that either they didn't focus it more in on the fact that this is happening with signed software or signed malware, or that this feature is somehow gotten around or that people are changing, turning this feature off or something in order to allow the malware to do what it does. Nessa called out browser hijackers and proxy malware, and these were the most interesting malware families for macOS. Uh, despite what the article said about how macOS is targeted like the rest, I am disappointed. I'm not, because I use a Mac. So <laughs> yay, if this is the worst stuff that's out there. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Linux, they called out bots and botnets. I guess that's not really a surprise. SSH malware, not a surprise. Crypto miners. Um, these all make sense for Linux. I, I imagine most people are not using Linux for personal use. So writing an info stealer for Linux is probably not incredibly useful. Yeah. And w you know, they talked about BlackBerry space and the IoT. So I'm wondering if the bots and botnet and most of this stuff is actually relating to IoT devices running Linux. That makes a lot of sense. I'd love to see the overlap or lack thereof in these. Like are info stealers found on macOS just at a much lower level, like how does AdWare spyware compare between macOS and Windows, but you know, they didn't offer that. But then the next section was industry-specific attacks, where if you'll recall, the article said they were uniquely positioned to uncover threats to affect industries not discussed in other threat reports. So I'm sure there'll be some really important information here. Most certainly. <laughs> they mentioned financial. They said more malware for healthcare. They said more ransomware. Super surprised. Uh, they did talk a little bit about automotive. Uh, they said there was an increase in 2022 in attacks targeting the automotive industry when they specifically called out vehicles as targets. Uh, and they were talking about car theft. 48% of car theft in the UK was for vehicles with keyless tech. That's kind of a weird part. I mean, I guess technically it is a threat, but it's interesting. Well, it's not a normal threat. It's not what you can typically consider when you think of a cybercrime. No, but the t I guess the way you associate that is the reason that it's, it's keyless is because they're using a computer. Yeah, so. they used what they what the report said, fraudulent software. I don't know if the software itself was fraudulent or if the software developed fraudulent signals. <laughs> I don't hmm. know what, what specifically was fraudulent about it. But I, I and I don't know what bandwidth they bands they use, but maybe they attach a computer to a software defined radio and they're able to replicate the. Uh, do a replay attack or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. My, I have heard from some people, some older folks recently that uh, that's going around these days. Uh, there's a lot of advertisements going out to the elderly folks about the, that they should get radio opaque bags, like Faraday cage bags for their keys so that people can't steal, steal their keys signal and steal their car. So that's the latest fear. Yeah. Cause people who are not older don't need to worry about that. <laughs> Well, they're preying on old people's fear of the unknown and yeah, um, right. I mean, really the problem is going to be physical. There's only so many people who can steal cars, even if you can break into any car using this. Right. And I have a super mid level car. I'm not too worried. Yours well, doesn't have a, yours doesn't have a radio key fob, does it? No, it, it did. Uh, oh. doesn't work anymore. <laughs> You're safe. But, well, I think it doesn't work anymore because the fob's dead. I don't think it, it's a matter of the, <laughs> oh, 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 I the see. fact that the radio thing yeah, still doesn't work. Uh, I see. I see. All right. I saw nothing really unique in here that was promised in the article. I am Matt's shocked sense of surprise. <laughs> Next section was threat actors. It contains some shocking quotes in here. Quote, they have a wide range of malware at their disposal. Oof. 
Quote, because Alpha V allows other threat actors to use Black Cat ransomware, the presence of the malware does not necessarily indicate a direct attack. Well, Mm. that's good to know. Quote, the group frequently uses China Chopper for its operations. Well, dang, that's uh, that's pretty diagnostic. That's only been around for 15 years or so. Man, you know what this all indicates, though? Russia. (laughs) Were they all Russian-based APTs? I actually didn't even check for their nationality, but that wouldn't surprise me. No, no, no. I'm just saying that's that's the news cycle, though. That's fair. That's fair. Next, they had a list of common MITRE techniques they saw, and this is almost useful. And actually, it becomes more useful because at the end, they provide you with an attack navigator to actually use this. So so it does become more useful. But uh, they list out the common techniques they've seen, but most of them are very broad, like system information discovery. Yeah, that incorporates quite a bit. Or ones that you should already be monitoring, like modify registry or run DLL. 32 or reg server 32. These are all ones that really at this point, if you're not monitoring those, you're in trouble. There's no ordering or quantity. Which one of those is used the most often? This is something we saw in another report recently where like the top two were way outpacing the rest. Like that's important to know to me. Like these are the ones we should focus on. These are the ones that attackers are using the most. There's no notification on if any of these are new. That would be something I'd be interested in seeing. Like if attackers are suddenly using a new attack technique that they typically haven't used in the past, then you may not have a detection for that and you should create one. Um, They do provide some examples of logic that they have seen that you can write detections around, which I do appreciate, although it is only five techniques and maybe 15 behaviors, some of which are not exceptionally useful because they're pretty generic, like checking for the registries of VMware and VirtualBox, which may happen in a number of ways. But especially if you're doing risk-based alerting or something, these are probably all things that you would want to use as a, as a maybe you don't want to alert on them necessarily, like query user. That could happen quite a bit. But if you see query user plus task list, find string DLL plus system info into output, piped into output plus, et cetera, then yeah, that would definitely be more interesting. Yes. Just like the risk-based alerting we've been talking about for a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, now, I will say this does seem like a reasonable starting place for an immature organization. If you've just walked in the door or you're trying to get a detection law program started, like you could certainly take a look at these and be like, these are pretty good ones to start with. That makes sense. They do reference an Excel file with MITRE defend links on how to prevent the attack techniques. I haven't dived into defend enough to know how useful that it is, but I do appreciate that it's there. So they do also include a forecast for... 2023 Q1. It's mostly all the stuff that you would expect, you know, Ukraine, Russian cyber attacks, ransomware targeting hospitals, cyber attacks on critical infrastructure, AI, attacks on financial institutions. One specific thing they did call out that's a very, very specific prediction, which is interesting. They're predicting an explosion in mobile spyware attacks, specifically Brazilian threat actors using Trojans that target PIX, which is a Zelle competitor in Brazil. Very specific. So they may something know something we don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like the rest of these were super general, and that one was right on the dot. So hmm. we'll have to keep an eye on that. Yeah, well, I'm definitely not installing PIX. I'm actually, do you use any of those Zelle or anything like that? No. So typically the way you use them, you can do them two ways. You can hook them up to your bank account, which I generally prefer not to because I don't want anybody to strip my bank account if they crack the auth on that. Or you can hook them up to your credit card. And then what you do is you just pay with your credit card into that. 
my like my daughter's sports teams use it for you know gifts for the coach you know zell me or paypal me 20 bucks paypal yeah yeah although different people use different ones it's very frustrating the credit cards have started charging you a cash advance fee for those so my my daughter's soccer team the the one of the parents asked everybody to zell her 20 bucks for the coach's present at the end of the season and the credit card charged me like 15 bucks and then they charged me like a 30 percent interest rate for the 18 days before i paid it or whatever so is that, the credit, is that credit card through your, through your credit union? No, it's a chase card, I think. Well, so, see, there's your problem. Yeah, but just, you know, for everybody listening to the podcast, if you use this, they're about their charge. They're decided to charge extra fees on that. I don't know if they're trying going to try and force you to use one of their products or what, or if they just want to squeeze every dollar out of you they can. Probably both. So on page 30 with the forecast is the most useful part of this report. They also include a resources section and that resources section links to a couple places in their GitHub where they offer, and they don't offer much, honestly, which is actually kind of a surprise. I wonder if this is the first year they've done it. No, they've got they've got folders dating back to 2021. That's interesting. So they just must not update it very often. They have a bunch of folders. They're not monthly. It looks like there's, there's, there's two from December, three from October, but maybe about a dozen folders where they provide a combination of IOCs. Some of them, like if you go into the Drydex one, there's an IOCs.csv file, which you can download and add. In other cases, they offer Yara rules. If you go into a one from October 2027, they provide an IOC CSV, but then they also have two Yara rules, which is cool. I, I, I love when companies provide this, and I wish that they would do this way more often, because from honestly... It doesn't look like they update this very often. There, there were some months in 2022, they, they didn't update it all for the first half of 2022. But then they updated it a couple times a month in the second half of 2022. So, hmm. Yeah, you said October 2027. Did you mean the 27th of October? I did. Well, there's one from, I don't know which one I clicked on. But yeah, there's two and there's a couple in Octobers. <laughs> but yeah, October 2022, probably. They also provide that MITRE attack navigator layer. Now, I don't know if this is something you're doing, but this is something that maybe you should consider doing is having a attack navigator that has your current detections. And then every time somebody releases, like this one, this attack navigator layer has all the most common attack techniques they've seen. You can overlay that with your existing one and you can highlight the gaps by using the the layer addition methods in there so that the ones that you don't have will flash red. And that's a pretty easy way to target because the way it is right now, where it's just a list of techniques and a page, like you'd have to go through and kind of manually check each one by providing that attack navigator layer. Ah, that is so good. That is so good. I love it. Yeah. And if you could tie that into an attack simulation product, even better. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. That'd be awesome too. So my only real problem is why is this at the end? This is the most important part of the report, in my opinion. And it's kind of an afterthought. It gets half of a page on page 30. And honestly, they, they haven't put a ton of effort into it, unfortunately, but it, it, it at least is something. No, they don't want people just reading the first page and then stopping. Yeah. Well, or like listening to the first five <laughs> minutes of a podcast and then not going to the end. Yeah. Yeah. I actually wish that all blog posts would do this. There, I definitely see a fair amount of blog posts that do this where they include the indicators and like your rules and detections at the end. But I wish that all blog posts would do this where you see a blog post and they talk about a particular 
type of malware or something like that. And then at the very end, they include like how to detect it. Here's your IOCs. Here's your YAR rules. Here's your firewall rules, et cetera, et cetera. I think, I think it's a Cisco, I think Talos browser extension that pulls those out of pages when it sees them. Really? Well, I'm looking for more than just IOCs. Like I'd like to see like Sigma rules that can be converted to whatever SIM you're using, et cetera. Mm -hmm. but, but IOCs is a start. Yeah, I think Cisco Talos might have a browser extension that pulls that stuff out of the page automatically. I'm trying to remember. Somebody does. There's a, there's a product that I think we've talked about before that I've looked into. I think it's yes. polarity.io. Oh. What's that? Is it polarity.io? Yes, that's it. Yes. You're forgetting the name of it. To, yeah, I keep forgetting the name. I can't want to go back and try it again. Every every year I try it, it's it's almost there. Like the first time I tried it four years ago or so, like it was good, but it was slow and it was choppy. And then I tried it, I think two years ago and it felt like it was just almost there. Yeah. I remember the first time I was asked to look at a demo of it, I was ready to just destroy it because I figured it was, it was snake oil. But then after I saw it, I was like, oh, this is really awesome. It's a good, yeah, it's a good idea. It is a good idea. Yeah. I, I have, you, have you actually tried a, like a POC of it? No, I've only seen demos. I tried a POC of it first, and it's got a couple things. You had to stand up an on-prem server to store your data, and it was there was like a delay. Everything took like two seconds to occur, and it was it was a little painful to use. So would it, you know, that two seconds, would that turn into four of the more stuff you put in it? I don't know. We didn't get to the point where it just had, it had just enough friction that everybody was not quite willing to use it. But it felt like it was so close. It felt like it was so close. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's time to POC it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should actually I should send an email to myself because I'm not until they forget this by by Monday. POC polarity. I may leave most of that in the podcast. We'll see. I might cut out bits of it, but I think that's I think it's an interesting conversation. All right. So what are your actions? First of all. Review your response to malware. Are you resetting enough credentials? Should you be resetting more? <laughs> Everybody that's sat next to them. Just kidding, just kidding. But maybe you should be warning the end users to reset their personal credentials as well if these info stealers are so effective at pulling everything. Because again, like typically speaking, what I've seen in the past is you reset their work credentials and that's it. Have they used system accounts? Have they used, do they have access to their last pass or a password? Ooh, do any of them steal password vaults? Because we, when we talked about LastPass, they talked about how LastPass is put into your memory so that you can continue to do it. I bet all of them do that. Have any of these info stealers? They would have to. Oh, man. That would be, be so painful. Bad. Yeah. Wow. All right. Anyways, do you have detections for the identified MITRE attack techniques yet? As the most common ones, those are the ones that you should definitely at least be looking at. And again, some of them are very, very general. Maybe you don't want to have a specific detection for the system identification stuff, but you probably want some risk-based alerts, maybe some supporting alerts, something like that. Finally, hit up the resources section. You can ignore most of the report. It's mostly dross for your, for your CISO to read and then demand you do something about. The resources section has the real meat, and I wish that it was more, but it is only a quarterly report. Although it doesn't link to a quarter, it links to like their last two years of releases. They just haven't released. It looks like they're up. It looks like the threat intel team is spinning up in the last six months because the the number and the pace of their releases has vastly increased over the last six months. Maybe they're hiring. Anyways, I import <laughs> the more rules. Yeah, check out the MITRE attack navigator, et cetera. Check out that resources section. And if you work with BlackBerry, you know, tell them. I said, 
they did a great job with that and they need to spend more time on their resources. Any other any other insights, David? No, you're too insightful. Oh, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Scaredy Serengeti Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Serengeti Sec and subscribe and listen on your favorite podcast app.